Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, twenty eighth of March, twenty twenty two, and it is the prodigious, the prominent Professor Johnson at Proclamation News and Gavin's flux with the flow and flux with the show. Pretty much coming back with a methodical madness, methodical correctness, giving you ideas how to shape up Britons. What's coming what's on what's in coming on the board this week, this month, within UK projects? Criminology. How to help people clear their debts. Giving people advice. So people everyone coming in, please acknowledge the show. Give it a like, give it a share. I'll give you um, a shout out on next episode. If you write a comment, leave a comment or leave a like and I can see you leave a like. I'll give you a shout out on the next episode of Proclamation News and Governance. We're building back bigger, better, brand new establishment, Proclamation News and Governance. As you can see around me, it's very, very, um, very, very colourful. I won't give all my ideas away, but what we have here is a absolute beautiful studio inside Proclamation News and Governance. Anyway, people looking to make a change is struggling with their energy bills. Most people are struggling with their energy bills, struggling to have a bit of money in their pocket to survive, to live. You don't drink, don't take narcotics, you're trying to do everything to live, trying to get by, trying to get a, get back on, a, maybe you want to get back on the road, but you can't afford your energy bills. There's a thing called Turn To Us, Christians Against Poverty, to get the support you need to become humane, not inhumane. Anyway, before you enter UK roads, think safety, think first. Do not enter the vehicle under sleep deprivation, under the influence of alcoholism. Check your engine oil, water cooling tank, water cooling tank before takeoff. Check your PSI limits. Make sure you and passengers have um, seat belts on and babies have seat belts adjacent to the car seat. Check for further road safety signs, police instructions. Make sure you check for road workers are not emerging from behind the fence. Two seconds, guys. Um, yeah. Check your sentimental email before turning acting into a safe, sufficient, directional choice. Well, we're going to look at the instance today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. You're both preserved and observed. Sorry about that. I had a phone call. I just had to um, put it on silent because I don't want to ruin the show. <laughs> flux with the flow and flux with the show. I might sound a bit fatigued today. I don't know what I didn't have great sleep last night. But anyway. In Halstead, A131, very slow traffic in the construction area. On the A131, Mount Hill near Trinity Road in the construction area, reported today at 2.39. Um, another one near Halstead, slow traffic in the construction area on A1017, the street near Park Lane in the construction area. It's obviously the same incident, but opposite road. Anyway, Chelmsford. It's the southeast of England. For those you don't, you know, don't know in this region. 
A114, slow traffic on A114. Essex, Yeomanary uh, Way around A1060 Parkway, Army and Navy. First reported at 2.41 p.m. That's a bit of a tongue twister. I'd slow that down to get it, get that correct. M11, slow traffic on M11 northbound between Junction 6, M25 interchange and Junction 7, A414. Canes Lane, Harlow, reported today at 2.46. St Albans, A1057, slow traffic construction area on A1057, Hatfield Road, near Winsland Crescent in the construction area. Stevenage. Road closed, debris on road, unsafe building. Road closed due to, due to debris on road and unsafe building on Swingate both ways between A602 Linton Way and Westgate Shopping Centre. The building under demolition collapsed on Tuesday 22nd. Swingate West and Westgate car parks are also closed. 10.47am first reported. South end on C. A127, slow traffic construction area at Victoria Avenue near Fairfax Drive in construction area 2.43 p.m. First reported. Ladies and gents, we can have, I just want a short break. As you know, I'm short break in a minute. It's going to be a short break in a moment as we move on to the next segment of the show. Shows schools white paper includes higher maths and English targets. I think obviously with COVID, COVID's been a major destruction for children. You know, obviously when they're at home, COVID they can be doing more, even more on their computers, so they can be dropping in their grades, aren't they? In the last few years, higher English and maths targets and the introduction of national behaviour survey are among new plans for schools in England. By 2030, ministers want 90% of children leaving primary schools to reach their expected standards in reading, writing and maths. In 2019, the figure was 65%. At GCSE, the government wants the mean average of all grades to rise from 4.5 to 5, a strong pass. Research suggests teenage reading skills have fallen further this year. The amount of learning lost because of the pandemic varies significantly across England and the poorest pupils have fallen further behind than better off. According to a report on, from the government by the Education Policy Institute, EPI, and when assistance of... Uh, in the autumn term, secondary pupils in North East, North West and Yorkshire and Humber were on average three months behind the level they might previously achieved, it found. Unions and charities say the plans laid out by the government could fail to help the poorest pupils. The new English and maths targets are for the whole of England, rather for each individual schools. The ambition includes pupils identified as having special education need or disability. Education Secretary Nadim Sahawi told the BBC that any pupil falling behind in maths and English would receive help. 
It's not about more pressure on the children, it's about more support. Mr Sahawi said, if a child has fallen behind, the teacher will support that child and engage with the parents to explain to them exactly what support they are putting in. Mr Sahawi said the government would fulfil its promise of offering 6 million tutoring courses by 2024 to help pupils catch up using a national tutoring programme. The government's white paper includes plans for an annual national behaviour survey of parents, children and teachers. Parents and teaching staff were asked for their views on behaviour in the government review last year. And in an effort to drive up attendance after the pandemic, the government wants to make it the local authority's legal duty to re-engage re pupils missing most of their lessons. Mr Harvey told the BBC One Sunday programme Around 200,000 children were currently off school because of coronavirus, following two years of disruption caused by lockdowns and classroom closures. At Cox Huts High Hill School in Birmingham, head teacher Jason Bridges told the BBC attendance was nearly back to normal, but it has taken a lot of hard work. Families want to leave their children close to home, he said. Relationship with families is really important, but we need them in school. Not well funded enough, but the EPI Chief Executive Natalie Pereira said it was unlikely that the government's pledges was, would be met. Our analyst shows that the government's catch-up programme is not well funded enough to make, good the, to make good these learning losses and get this disadvantage gap closing again, she said. EPI's research suggests learning losses for primary pupils showed signs of recovery in the autumn term compared with the 2020-21 summer term, but there have been further losses among secondary pupils. The government has committed £5 billion to education recovery in England, about a third of the sum recommended by Sir Kevin Collins, who in Paulus resigned as a Prime Minister's advisor. Asked about the funding on the BBC One's breakfast programme on Monday, Mr Harvey said, the government was doing well in primary schools recovery in reading, writing and maths and needed to do the same in secondary schools. He said he would measure recovery and publish progress. Adding, if I need more money, I'll go back to the Treasury and say we need to go further. The Association of School and College Leaders argues schools already identify children who fall behind and that the focus on English and maths there's a very narrow view of uh, education. A truly ambitious white paper should have great ambition for the whole curriculum. Its General Secretary, Geoff Barton, has said, you just want them to be happy. There has been a Church of England primary school in Hertfordshire village of Cradley for 150 years. Head teacher Donna Jones has said, like many rural schools, Cradley Primary had not become part of the academic group for fear for losing autonomy and the connection of the local community. In the year six class in 132 pu uh, pupil school, children were confidently shouting out solutions to the series of maths questions. At the bottom of the field, younger children were helping make a small fire as part of the forest school. One of the many practical and creative activities the school offers, 
Ms. Jones said, while the core academic subjects were important, the school wanted to maintain a balance for the children. At the school gates, academic achievement was not everyone's priority. Primary school should be a time for them to enjoy life because they've got many years ahead of them for exams, said one parent, Claire Griffiths. Another, Edwina Stevens said, I've got one child who's really academic and one not quite so academic. It's important to hit academics and children young because as you get older, you'll be like me, adult learning. You just want them to be happy. Under the government plans, all schools in England will be told they should be part of a group of academic schools or in the process of joining a multi-academy trust by 2030. Academy schools are state-funded, directed by government and run independently from local schools. At the moment, 52% of pupils are at academies. Where there's no good alternative, the government will allow councils to create a multi-academic trust to include schools. Labour said helping every child develop good reading, writing and math skills should not be an add-on. The government was distracting from the businesses of teaching with yet more tinkering with school structures, adding education spokeswoman Bridget Philipson. Manira Wilson for the Liberal Democrats described the white paper as half-baked and lacking ambition or imagination, adding children need more catch-up funding, not more upheaval. Just going to have a short, short break. I need to share these lessons on my Twitter page. You've got a few more segments to get through. It's going to be a great show, guys. Make sure you stay tuned. I appreciate everyone coming and supporting the show. Just a short, short break. We won't leave you long. Um, anyway, also, anyway, anyway, guys, while talking about the energy companies, let me tell you, Over Energy is so such a great company to go with. At first, I was hating them, but they've done nothing but bend over, back, bend over backwards to help me. So I really, highly, strongly advise to go with Over Energy. Over Energy Fund. You get Over Energy Fund, once you get behind the bills, they will help you. You can't, you can't rely on it, though. Eddie Mayer on LBC. With Motorway, where dealers compete to give you the best price for your car. Caroline says Will Smith was fully justified in his anger, but not in his violence. Rock was the one being a bully, though. Adam says no one knows other than the Smith family how much they've been suffering in the background over this issue. It was an insensitive, badly timed joke aimed at a woman with a medical and mental health issues. I can completely understand Will's actions. Elias Steve, uh, people keep talking about the descending of the red mist, but in as far as I could see, the whole audience, including Will Smith, initially chuckled in response to the joke. He'd also apparently heard the joke during rehearsal. Why didn't he challenge Chris Rock then? Why the sudden change in attitude? Uh, what happened at the Oscars last night between Chris Rock and Will Smith, uh, with Jada Pinkett Smith very much uh, involved too, in terms of being the, uh, the butt of the joke, and, uh, according to uh, some of our listeners, um, egging on her husband. Let me know where you are with this. Elliot, what do you think? Hi. Hi there, are you right? Good, how are you? 
my mother um, was, was very supportive, and you kind of would have hoped that it had just stuck to my head. But then um, I started noticing my eyebrow beginning to go, and my mum tried to reassure me that, you know, it's, no, it's not, no, it's not, but I can know it was. And then it started going, and I tried to get it. Ten people said, oh, get them tinted, get them this, and everybody was giving me advice. But I've never been somebody to wear a lot of makeup. I've never been somebody to wear... I just couldn't do it. In fact, I have a, a family relative that actually told me that um, I was making other people uncomfortable by just um, by not wearing a wig and that my whole family felt that I should put a wig on to make other people comfortable. However, working as a nurse in a very hot home um, with no hair to absorb any sweat or anything like that, I couldn't wear a wig. It would be itchy, it would be too hot, it would be everything. So I've just had to embrace being bald. And it, mentally, I, I try to cope, but I am not the same person. I could cry now if I'm talking to I'm not the same person I was before this happened. So I just try to embrace it because I have a job to do. The nurse and try to look after everybody else, and they don't understand. They all think I'm a boy, so understand this. But that's funny because they've got dementia. I understand that, but it can also become um, slightly scary because a lot of the men think I'm a boy in dementia, and if they're going to be angry with somebody, it's me, and there's no convincing them that I'm a woman. So that can be hard. Zane, I'm sorry you're going through this, and I'm, I'm very glad that you had the, the courage to pick up the phone and tell me about it, and thank you for what you do, and thank you for carrying on with your work in these extraordinarily difficult circumstances, just describing what your, your patients, the patients you love and care about, how they're responding to you as a result of uh, their illness, and yeah. and what it's putting you through. I think you're admirable and i hope your family those members of your family who felt uncomfortable and felt that you should change because of their discomfort i hope they reflect on that and i hope they give you the love and support that you deserve mm. oh i don't know what to do about that so thank you i have tried to say i'm just not ever been a wing person i think it's because i don't see those part of those family very often so they've not grown through it whereas my immediate family close by me and my nursing staff and so on have gone through it they are extremely supportive and i've actually forgot what i look like with hair now so but it's affected me in so many ways and that you know i don't even know how to um dress or think of myself even as attractive anymore so jade is doing great to go out there and embrace it and it's absolutely stunning oh, i'm taking my hat off to her she's a pretty good example isn't she yeah sure at least she's got some hair on her head it doesn't look as bad as being completely bald no white lashes actually you forget about why hair is important I mean, your nose hair is important to stop your nose not running. So my, I blow bubbles out my nose constantly. Eyelashes are important to stop debris getting into your eyes. And I constantly have dog hair, cat hair, whatever dust in my eyes. 
And um, I could go on about the need for hair everywhere else a lot, <laughs> but it's all quite important. <laughs> <laughs> you're teaching me stuff I really didn't think about saying. Thank you very much. No, and mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sorry you're going through it. Thanks. But thank you for thank talking. You're to back you. again, ladies and gents. Back again. Uh, thank you uh, for waiting now. As we uh, know, Cressida Dick, the um, police crime commissioner, has to stand down in April. She's lost her place as a crime commissioner. Cressida Dick will stand down as a Metropolitan Police Commissioner next month. Home Secretary Peter Patel has confirmed. Her current deputy, Sir Stephen House, will take over in the interim until a new Met Chief has been appointed. Dame Chris Adair quit in February. With the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, said he had lost the confidence in her leadership. Miss Patel also announced a review in the handling of Dame Chris Adair's exit by outgoing Chief Inspector of Constable Sir Tom Windsor. Dami Christia has, has agreed to stay in the post until arrangements to appoint her successor has been finalised. And in a writing statement to the Commons on Monday, Miss Patel said Sir Stephen was expected to cover until this summer. The Home Secretary said she deserves our profound gratitude for her decade of public service and leadership in policing, as well as our best wishes for the future. Dame Cressida has shown exceptional dedication to fighting crime in London and beyond throughout her time as a commissioner. As the first woman to hold the role of commissioner, she added, the circumstances in which the outgoing MPS commissioner is leaving her role warrant a closer look at the legislation which governs the suspension and removal of the commissioner. Outgoing Chief Inspector of Constable Sir Tom Windsor will carry out the review. A spokesperson for the Mayor of London said, the Mayor is clear that the Met's next leader must demonstrate that they understand the depths of the problems faced by the force and have a plan to restore trust and confidence of the Londoners. Ms Patel said strong and decisive new leadership will be required to restore public confidence in London's police force. Contenders include Matt Jukes and Neil Bazzi, who are currently both assistant Met Commissioners. Dame Chrysadia said she had to resign from the role after London Mayor has made it clear to her he had no confidence in her leadership. It followed cases of sexism and misogyny among some Met officers. Last month, the police watchdog found disgraceful examples of bullying and sexual harassment at Charing Cross Police Station in central London. A national leader. A national leader. Dame Christadia, the first woman to lead the UK's biggest police force, also faced criticism over the murder of Sarah Everard by serving Met officer last year and a series of other scandals. Beyond London, the Met is also responsible for national counter-terrorism policing and Ms Patel said the Commissioner was a national leader with a critical national role. Her successor will be appointed by the Home Secretary in consultation with the Mayor of London. Prime Minister have no formal role in appointing the Commissioner, but Boris Johnson has nevertheless faced calls to stay out of the process entirely because of the ongoing Met investigation into lockdown parties at Down Street. 
Home Affairs Committee Chairwoman Diana Johnson, a Labour MP, said she hoped Mr Johnson would completely stand aside for, from any discussion about who the new commissioner should be. Walthamstow man killed and killed girlfriend and himself after texting I got rid of her to drug dealer. Amani Iqbal 28 was discovered by police at her home in Walthamstow on January the 3rd 2021 with initial post-mortem failing to find a conclusive cause of death. And this man is believed to have killed his girlfriend himself after texting or got rid of her to his drug dealer. A, concern, a, a, a coroner's court hers, a Manny Iqbal, 28, was discovered by police at her home in Warmstow, Essex, on January 3rd last year, with initial post-mortem failing to find a conclusive cause of death. Her partner, Jay Dawes, had died the previous evening after driving into the side of Park Lorry at a lay-by on the dual carriageway. A Manny, a marketing propositions manager at um, Sainsbury's, was last seen alive on New Year's Eve of 2020. Police attended her home at 8am on January 3rd and found her unresponsive despite the best efforts of the paramedics. She was pronounced dead a short while later. Several pills were made by the Metropolitan Police for information. After the results of her post-mortem examination were initially inconclusive reports. It then emerged that Jay, also from Wolfstow, had died January 2nd after the Red Perjo was driving and collided with a park lorry in the lay-by at the 11th of South Cambridgeshire. Emergency service rushed to the scene near Bar Barham but the 28-year-old was pronounced dead at the scene. The lorry went up in flames during the incident, which occurred shortly after 9pm. Fire crews from Cambridge and Linton, along with crews from South Malden in Essex, and a water carrier in Newman Market, desperately tried to tackle the blaze during the pre-inquest review hearing on Tuesday, March 22nd, at Wolverham Forest Commoners Court. It was heard that a domestic homicide review would take place over the coming months to establish the circumstances of the relationship. Sheena Corona Nadia persuaded said that the inquest would examine Jay's relationship with the drug and alcohol services as she was found with trace of cocaine in the system at the time of his death. He has seemingly not assessed mental support, health support since 2018 and the couple were not known to the police which Superintendent Richard Tucker stated was very rare. A managed family stressed that she would not, she would not known to any mental health, health or support services that there were had been no indication of domestic violence. In the lead up to her death, speaking to the Met Police desires to complete a DHR, Superintendent Tucker said, talking about a domestic homicide review, it is a process for agency to look at a relationship's where one party has lost their life or has been seriously injured in terms of any learning and any mistakes that they have been made. I've spoken to partners of health and local authority and because of the relationships with Jay and Amani, they did not fit the criteria for DHR. 
speaking about the list of witnesses for the inquest, Amani's family said they wished for Jay's drug dealer to give evidence, as he is a very key person to the investigation. The coroner said, So on the New Year's Eve 2020, was the last date Amani was seen alive. He received a call and text stating that Jay got, got rid of his girlfriend. Bear with me, guys. Hello. Yeah, hi there. Consuming lifestyles. You're wasting my life. Please get rid of That's Jay's inquest bundle, and Jay asked for money from him despite stealing hundreds of pounds from Amani's account. That could mean he was possibly told about Amani's murder or given details, but importantly, he was the only person to speak about Jay to the police, has told us what the CCTV has revealed. Between the time Amani was likely killed and Jay killed himself, We've been shown CCTV footage of Jay getting into his car from Amani's flat and going to speak with him for a length of time. They stated their belief that he was a key witness despite reluctant to give information to police. Amani's family set up a Just Giving page in her memory to raise money and make a Wish Foundation a charity supported when she was younger. Since its creation in December 21, it has raised a staggering 5348 Pounds with several comments praise her inspirational person who made a huge and important impact on those around her. She's going to have a short break, guys. I'm going to put and we'll be straight back. Away soldiers' lives like logs in the furnace. The idea that you know his Ukraine is 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 different from that, and in a way as. You know, um, my colleague Arkady Ostrovsky was, was was leading this point in the interview. Um, this is this is in a, in a sense his weakness because um, you know Mr. Putin is ready to send as many tanks and as many soldiers as he needs to to get his aims um, in, a, in a fairly cynical way. Um, Zelensky isn't the kind of person who does that, and that's his weakness in a way because on 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 the uh, the, the battlefield, but. Ultimately, especially if he does, if Ukraine finds a way to win, it's also a source of strength, um, and it's a it's a very it's a very um, principal battle between the two, um, and that's why the war in Ukraine is is such an important thing, not just for this part of the world, but for the entire world. I think. Oliver, thank you. It's a hell of a read. Uh, that's Oliver Carroll, correspondent for the Economist, giving the inside story of that uh, that encounter with. Uh, President Zelensky, and I'm very happy to say we can welcome back to the show Alexander Rodnyansky, who's president, presidential advisor to uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, currently in Berlin. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you. Um, what information can you give us on uh, the talks uh, that might take place face to face between uh, Ukraine and Russia? Yeah, so, I mean, there's another attempt, as you know, now in Turkey again. Uh, I'm still pessimistic, as I was before, maybe slightly more optimistic, but still mildly pessimistic overall, just for the same reasons. I think um, there's still war ongoing. The Russians are still trying to intensify their efforts, their war efforts, especially in the Donbass. They're trying to gain an upper hand there to strengthen their bargaining positions. Um, and that's they've actually stated that this is now their main objective. 
So um, what can you say? Peace will be a realistic option. I mean, peace talks will become more realistic when Russia will be confronted with the stark realities, which is that they do not have the military capacities to continue fighting, and which would also be the economic pressure if there is more economic pressure on them. So before that happens, I'm not too optimistic when it comes to, to these peace talks. How much uh, influence uh, in terms of trying to make these peace talks happen in the way that you would like, does uh, does the West have, thinking about the interview that Oliver and others uh, did with the, the president and his view of, of how some countries have, have stepped up much more than others, what, what could these, some of these countries, France, Germany, the UK included, be doing differently uh, to help achieve peace? Well, it's basically, like I said, it's these two components. On the one hand, we need further military support. Ukrainians already have a very strong military, as now everybody can see. But we need further military support when it comes to attack weapons, such that we can regain those lost territories that are currently occupied. That will put Russia in a perilous position, such that they will have to look for a peaceful solution. And then the other part is, of course, economic. Right now, they can still finance the war with oil and gas sales to Europe. If that comes to an end, then of course they'll be facing a serious economic crisis. They'll have a serious fiscal issue, which you know, won't allow them to keep up the war efforts. And therefore, again, they'll be forced to sit at the negotiating table. So those two things, the West could certainly help with a lot. And that's, that's what should happen. What about the suggestion from Ukraine's um, military intelligence chief at the weekend that the president of Russia wants to see a North and South Ukraine in the style of the Koreas? Well, that is quite a possibility, especially given that we've now heard there's a slight change in the strategy that they are pursuing. At the beginning, you know, it was clear that they were trying to gain control over the whole of Ukraine. That has miserably failed for them. They're not able to do that. And we've, we've actually been pushing them back around Kiev and Kharkiv now. There's a counteroffensive that's quite successful. But they're throwing all their efforts now into Donbass. So if they succeed in cutting off the Donbass to a larger extent than currently, then perhaps they would try to make this sort of like a North Korean you know, territory for them, where they basically keep that part somehow and then you know, bargain with it. And I'm not sure. We can't really say. At the end of the day, I still think that ultimately the Russian leader would like to sabotage all efforts that there are in Ukraine to integrate with the West. So ultimately, I don't think his objective has changed too much, but the strategy is adapting in line with all the failures that they've experienced. And right now, as we speak, there's countless of Russian losses in the Donbass. I mean, they are actually outnumbering our troops there by quite a bit now. But from what I know, and we've heard uh, direct you know, evidence from our sources, there is a countless of casualties that they're having as we speak. So, you know, this is actually as, as tough and as harsh as this sounds. This is the only thing that would get them towards thinking about peace more seriously. All these losses that they're experiencing, that's what's going to change their, their perspective on, on the situation. Thank you for joining us. From Berlin, Alexander Rodnyansky, presidential advisor to Volodymyr Zelensky. 5.16 on LBC, Amelia Cox has the headlines. Thank you, ladies and gents. Essex crime again. Essex crime. There we go. Last but not, 
not this segment. Children's school uniform allegedly robbed at knife point in Harlow. How horrific, children being robbed at knife point. It's been alleged that the incident happened four times. Incident happened four times. Multiple children's school uniform were allegedly robbed at knife point. Parents of children at Geround Primary School in Harlow, Essex, received an email from a school informing them of the incident. It was written to parents that children wearing school uniform were reportedly robbed at knife point between 4pm and 8pm yesterday afternoon, March the 23rd. Geround's Primary School added that there were reportedly four incidents, but at this stage it was unclear the exact age of the victims. Why would you rob children like at school? I mean, what do you think you're going to find? Like, a couple of quid, pocket change for their lunch, school meal? In an email sent to the parents and carers, seen by Essex Live, the school warned them of the instance. Staff urged their pupils to remain vigilant on their journey home. The email reads, We have been notified by Essex Police on four instances in Harlow between the hours of 4pm and 8pm yesterday. The children's school uniform were robbed at knife point as some children walked home alone and many children were now playing out after school. We wanted to make you aware of the instance. Staff will speak with years five and six who walk home alone to the end of the school day to ensure they remain vigilant on their home journey home. Should you wish to collect your child rather than have them walk home alone, please call the school office so that you know, not now know, not to allow them to leave without adult present. Essex Live has contacted Essex Police for more information. Story will be updated when we get a statement. There you have it, ladies and gents. Uh, that is absolutely astonishing behaviour. Absolutely astonishing behaviour. There you go. Anyway, that's proclamation news and governance. Wrapping it up in a bag. We've got the war in Ukraine. I was going to read the last segment, but I'm just getting back into the swing of things. I only come back on a Saturday afternoon. And it is now Monday. I was yesterday. I was at my family's house, um, giving a bit of uh, support, a bereavement, a bit of you know, caring hand as you do. Anyway, I just want to say thank you. God bless. Take care. Have a wonderful week. I'll be back again tomorrow. God bless. Speak soon. This the prominent professor at Proclamation News and Gavin. Back flux with the flow and flux with the show. So have a look at the propaganda today. What is within the propaganda today? Thank you for coming in, whoever that's just coming for our YouTube channel. We're on Spotify, um, Apple Cast, Google Cast, Podcast, you name it, we claim it. If you Google Proclamation News and Governments, you'll see where we are on different channels, different networks. Um, just going to look at side UK car incidents. Think safety, think first. Do not enter your vehicle under sleep deprivation. Under the influence of alcohol and narcotics. Making sure you and patches have seatbelts on. Babies have seatbelts adjacent to the car seat. Check your engine or water cooling tank. Make sure they're topped up to maximum level. You should put um, plenty of sufficient fuel in your car because you need to allow for car incidents, roadworks, congestion, road closure, lane closed, and weather incidents on the road. That could, well, delay your travel waste your fuel especially for uh, lanes closed you've got a hospital appointment maybe your wife's given birth or you've got a heart operation or 
you know, hip hop bikes or anything like that. You're gonna be late for your um you're gonna be late for your appointment. Road's closed, can't get through. You've missed your appointment. Your your wife's given birth in the car because you didn't check plan your destination or you're out of fuel. Always think ahead of your journey. Anyway, check your PSI limits on the side of tire. On the side of tire, make sure sufficient uh, air pressure. Making sure your tires are not bald. Checking for further uh, road safety signs, police actions, instructions. Even check for further roadworks. Drive vigilantly around roadworks because road workers might be living from behind the house fencing onto the road. So be careful. Check your centimetre windmill before turning, acting into a safe, sufficient directional choice. Just in case motorcyclists or um, motorists are overtaken. Uh, let's go. Incidents today inside. Got some inside Essex. Oh no, Suffolk, Ipswich. On the A12, traffic heavier than normal. On the A12, northbound from Junction 31 to B1070. East Burgle to A14, Junction 55, Cop Dock Interchange. This is reported this morning at half past seven, so there you go. Traffic heavy normal on A12 northbound from Junction 31, B1070, East Burgle to A14, Junction 55, Cop Dock Interchange. Morning traffic, 7.25 again. In Chelmsford, A12, slow traffic on the A12, both ways from Junction 19, A130, Colchester Road, Warham Interchange to Junction 17, A130, Howell Green, 6.52am, first reported. In Watford, on the B462, delays, congestion to in the construction area. Hey, delays on the B462, Adelham Road, both ways at Bushy Mill Lane, congestion to Adelham, halfway back to Raddit, queues back to Watford and Bushy, and the A41 is back to the M1, J5 roundabout in the construction area. Temporary lights for the next month. 7.23 a.m. first reported today. East London, A20, current traffic on A20, Elfham Road into town from A205, South Circular, Clifton's Roundabout to A2212, Burn Ash Road, Lee Green. Reported at 6 a.m. this morning. West of London, we have a312, current traffic A312, Church Road, northbound between Willow Tree Lane, Willow Tree Roundabout and A40, targeted road roundabout, 7.44am. Done an incident in Cambridge, our last one. On the A1307, slow traffic on Fenden Road, around Adam Brooks Hospital roundabout. Usually today is approaching hospital roundabout. 20 to 7 a.m. first reported. We're going to move on with our UK politics. What's happening inside Westminster? 
Universal Credit Chancellor defends decision not to boost benefits. Not to boost benefits. Oh. Chancellor Richie Snack has defended his decision not to increase benefits payments to ease the rising cost of living in the spring statement last week. MP said Mrs Snack could have done more for those on universal credit. Absolutely. Terrific times. Why wouldn't he raise the cost of living for others to survive? MP said Mrs Snack could have done more for those on universal credit. The rise in living costs is forecast to outstrip planned increase in benefits this year. But Mr Snack told MPs that he had announced targeted support to those who need it most. Defending his decision in front of the Treasury Committee on Monday, Mr Snack has said tax cuts and supporting for energy bills were among a number of progressive measures that would help those on low pay the most. Benefits in a state pension are rising by 3.1% in April, well below the rise of cost of living, known as an inflation. The, com the committee chairman, Conservative MP Mel Stride, asked the Chancellor if his spring statement gave those on benefits any cause for hope. Mr Snack said, there's an enormous amount of spending going on and the vast majority of people on benefits will be better off as a result. Asked by Mr Stride why he chose not to boost benefits faster, Mr Snack cited operational issues and his unwillingness to increase government borrowing. My job is to make the right long-term decisions, Mr Snack has said. My view is an excessive amount of borrowing. Now it's not the responsible thing to do. A political choice. Mrs. Snack was also changed by Labour MP Angela Eagle on benefits payments and a project fall in living standards. Analysts by the Resolution Foundation think tank suggest that 1.3 million more people would be pushed in absolute poverty from April. Meanwhile, living standards are predicted by the Office for Budget Responsibility, the OBR, to drop by 2.2% this year, the largest fall since the 1950s. What my, what I can't get my head around with, um, they can't help people in universal credit, but they, can, they were sending 60 million a year to China, to Beijing. China China itself should be supporting Beijing itself. It's one of the biggest economic uh, markets in the, in the whole globe. So why are we helping China? I do not know. When no disrespect, I like Chinese people in England, but why are we helping China back home when they've got their own economy, bigger than us, when we should be helping the people, especially now, things have gone through the roof, absolutely through the roof. But that goes up to 6% for the poorest. Miss Eagle said, why haven't you done more to help those who are really going to struggle massively with this cost of living situation? You made a political choice to plunge 1.3 million people, including half a million children, into poverty. In reply, Mrs. Snack said government measures would offset about a third of projected drop in living standards. He said global forces were causing prices to spike and living standards to drop.
the thing is, Rishi Snack is not living at the bottom, is he? He's on absolutely, he's on silly amounts of money. Oh, some that door. Two seconds, guys. Bear with me. Sorry about that, ladies and gents, I'm back on the building. Really unnecessary knock at my door. But anyway, the Chancellor sought to address the rise of cost living spring statement last Wednesday. He cut 5p from fuel duty and took some of the sting out of April's national insurance. Well, that is by raising the point at which workers had to start paying it from 9,600 to 12%. 1570 from July but he's faced calls from the opposition MP to do more to help people now to combat rising price of food fuel and energy his tweaks to the national insurance fell short of the demands from Labour and some Tory MPs who had called on him to scrap April's rise completely to be honest I'm not I'm not overwhelmed with that decision, to be fair. Not overwhelmed with that decision. I'm I'm a conservative through and through, but that decision, I mean, I'm not going to accept it. You know, I'm not going to accept that decision because why is the cost of living? People can be in more struggle. I mean, we've been living through COVID, been living through absolute desperation through COVID, and now this is happening—a massive kick in the teeth. Obviously, we've got the war in Ukraine and Russia, which is taking a lot of our money as well. COVID, Ukraine, taking a lot of a lot of our funds. Anyway, something else that's close to my heart. Moving on from that, after the break, we'll be coming back to this segment. So stay, stay tuned. I'm just going to share them comments quickly, and we'll be straight back to the show. Thank you. headlines around the world i think possibly tom and i hear what you say possibly tom <coughs> excuse me it just provides sorry about that, frailty is not indulged we carry on working uh it just provides a, a day of light relief but what happens to him now alice and betsy Heath. come on alice what would you do good morning hi nick good morning, oh, good morning. i actually think that the academy should ban tasteless banter from from presenters scripts um, just to get laughs on the night, oh, even if they are boring, comedians. But it well, would... the thing is, there's Don't a you like, I mean, if, if you look at the way Ricky, I'm sorry to talk over you, but if you look at the way Ricky Gervais has done some award shows, that's the only reason to watch, isn't it? Yeah, but Nick, everyone knows that Jada has this, um, you know, has a health condition, yeah, and I just I'm don't think it was fair that Chris Rock, I mean, has he been living under a rock? Did he not know that about this this condition? I don't think so. I think I think he should actually look at what he's done. I think he needs to apologise as well. 
And what and about uh, the happened. point we're debating is what happens to Will Smith and the Oscar he's cherished for so long in his career. What happens now? He should carry on tr uh, holding it, and he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Um, they shouldn't take it away from him because a reaction causes a reaction. That's my personal view. Thank you for that. Alice, Aisha, coming to you in a moment. Sorry, Aisha, my apologies, Aisha. You're listening to LBC 13 after nine. More news breaking at the time. This comes from the Metropolitan Police and the, they say the investigation into allegations of breaches of COVID-19 in Whitehall is otherwise known to you and I. You and me as Partygate has moved on. And I quote, we will today initially begin to refer 20 fixed penalty notices to be issued for breaches of COVID regulations. The Criminal Records Office will then be responsible for issuing the fixed penalty notices to the individual following referrals from the Met. They go on, we are making every effort to progress this investigation at speed and have completed a number of assessments. I'm just reading ahead so I don't have to bore you too much. further referrals. Okay, so further referrals may be made. So 20 now and possibly more to come. I'm sure there'll be updates on that in our news bulletin. Uh, thank you for holding. Aisha in Enfield. What happens now with Mr Smith? Good morning. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm quite disheartened by the whole conversation that I've been hearing on most of the morning, Nick, because I just think, had it have been a female comedian on stage saying the same thing about Will's but, wife, Jada, and Will stood up and slapped her, would it have been the same response? But, it, but don't we just have to deal with what, as I always say, if my granny had wheels, she'd be a bus. Where, where, do, the yeah. ifs, where do the ifs end then? The Metropolitan Police has confirmed an initial 20 fines will be issued over COVID regulation breaches at Downing Street and Whitehall. Ukraine has urged those negotiating with Russia not to eat or drink at talks in Turkey after reports of poisonings at earlier negotiations. Hundreds of people are due to gather at Westminster Abbey later to remember the Duke of Edinburgh. LBC weather, sunny spells and scattered showers, a high of 14 degrees. LBC Travel, I'm Anne-Marie Walsh. There are delays on the M1 southbound. It's slow moving towards Junction 9 for Redbourne after an accident much earlier. It's queuing for half an hour on the North Circular westbound from Upper Edmonton to New Southgate after an accident earlier. And in Mile End on Burdett Road, a lane remains closed in both directions at St. Paul's Way. That's to recover an accident there. It's slow moving on Wood Lane southbound from White City towards Shepherd's Bush. And on the A22, there are delays in both directions. That's through the roadworks between Kenley and Pearly Cross.
On the train, Southern and Thameslink have delays of up to half an hour between Purley and Gatwick Airport and disruption to Arriva bus services on routes around South London because of strike action. This is LBC. When Louis got his new dog Rex, he had expectations of relaxing walks through idyllic meadows with Rex happily bounding along in front. Good boy. The reality... <sighs> Did you have to dive and roll in every puddle? Even when your pet is being a pickle, it's good to know their healthcare is covered with Pets in a Pickle. For pet insurance policies as unique as they are, visit petsinapickle.co.uk. Call Nick Ferrari now, 0345 6060 LBC. What about my dad? The father-daughter Caribbean catering combo that needed some help from GoDaddy. One day the owner's like, we need a few more customers. And her dad's like, well, quite a few people. Thanks, Agent, for waiting patiently there, being both observed and preserved. You're part of the Aristoxy Social League. We're just uh, talking about the uh, Universal Credit Crunch with um, Rishi Sunak. Quite uh, quite abysmal, we must, uh, well, I'd like to say. Anyway, moving on, something that's close to my heart. Close to my heart? Close to my heart. Um, supporting people with disabilities. Um, we see... Um, Will Quince, a local constituent MP, he's been supporting uh, this thing in aid as well, actually, to be fair. It's close to his heart as well, which is good. Children to receive early support in the new government plans. Children with special educational needs will receive better help at school from an earlier stage under a new national system, the government says. The Department for Education plans for England include digesting paperwork to help parents receive extra support for their children more quickly. It is part of a delayed review into the special education needs or disabilities. Send support system. Critics say too little urgency has been shown to address the broken system. Last year, 1.4 million pupils in England were identified as having special educational needs. The proportion has been growing since 2017. Educational Secretary Nadim Sahawi told BBC News earlier intervention was a focus for plans and would be achieved partly by training 5,000 more early year teachers to be SEN coordinators. The census who monitoring and access SEN children's progress the plans will give confidence to families across the country that from very early on in their child's journey through education, whatever their level of need, their local school will be equipped to offer a tailored and high quality level of support, he said. New funding of 70 million will be used to back the proposal, the Department for Educational said. But for some families, a review announced in 2019 comes too late. It crushes your soul. Natasha Balashova from Norwich says, securing extra support for her son has been an impossible battle that crushes your soul and takes all of your energy. Boris Seven is autistic and has not been to the mainstream school for a year because of little 
to, to support, he says. She says, children need more help than is available for the SEN support, such as one-to-one -one teaching or place in a specialist school. Must have an education, health and care plan. EHCP in place. Because the system is broken, there are delays at every step of the process. Mr. Balashova told BBC News. While his EHCP was being processed, Boris did not receive the support he needed. And by the time it was ready to be implemented, he had become too anxious to go to school. Miss Balashova is sceptical. The government's proposals will improve the EHCP process because there is no quick fix of this state of shambles. It has to be reorganised from the top to the bottom. Geoff Barton, General Secretary of Association of School and College Leaders Trade Union, welcomed the government's focus on early intervention but said it was frustrating. The review had been delayed and full implementation of the Green Paper is some way off. In the meantime, many thousand children, young people, will continue to pass through a broken system with schools left to pick up the pieces without sufficient resources, he added. Paul Whiteman, General Secretary of School Leaders uh, Union, NAHT, said the Green Papers had some sensible ideas, but he was not convinced the plans were ambitious enough to tackle waiting lists for specialist services such as speech therapy. Labour's Shadow Education Secretary Bridget Phillipson said the plans were incredibly disappointing and felt short for the transformation needed to improve the SEN support. There's a reason why I don't support it. For people in struggle in our own country, they're not too worried. Never have, never have been. But I've sent thousands to help unaided people in other countries because they've got no backbone to support their own. That's a true story. If you're if you're English, if you're born British, and you're trying to get onto the housing register, you're trying to get housed, you've got no chance, absolutely no chance. If you bid for a place, say, I don't know, about sixty miles away from where your family reside, yeah, the chance are you they say, oh, you got it, but you only bidded for it just to keep your bidding going on on the system. I get thrown off. It's a true, you know, it's a true story, absolute fact. You bid for something that's close by, really up your street. You're not going to get a phone call to say, yeah, you've had that. You've, you've got the house because they're going to give it to someone else. They're not interested in supporting their own whatsoever. Really ain't. That's a true story. But you can support them as much as you like till you're blue in the face, your hands fall off and your back's breaking and there's no support for you once that happens. Anyway, warm words. An early intervention are not good enough when affordable early childcare is unavailable to more parents, she added. But some children are already benefiting from early intervention projects. Lillycroft Primary School in Bedford has been part of a trial where experts use data to identify children who might need more support at a much earlier stage than usual. Head teacher Nicola Roth told BBC News it could take six years for a child in Bradford to be diagnosed as autistic, which can delay the support for which they are eligible. We can just get on with treating the child and getting the best education for the child as soon as possible. She said, adding 
She hoped every school could benefit from the same model. Professor Mark William, a director at the Centre for Education Research based at Bradford Ball in Fermanagh, who ran the trial, said, All the evidence is that acting early is good across the board. A child can be thriving in the educational setting, which means that we have less issues to deal with in terms of that child's long-term physical and mental health. Other proposals in the same is alternative provision of green paper include publishing local dashboards to make it clearer to parents who are responsible for what part of the system launched a national framework for councils to make it clear what levels of support is expected for children with the greatest additional needs. Spending £10 million to train more 200 educational physiologists who will graduate in 2026 and can give advice and input into EHCP assessments of the wider support. Improving up to 40 new specialist and alternative provisions for free schools. Families are being invited to share their views on how to shape the new system in a 13-week publication consultation. Moving on to the next segment, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a quick, quick break. Almost half hour into the show. <clears throat> I'm very neutral when it comes to bereavement for both all parties, all parties, all sides of the politics, without a left and a right, left and a right wing. There is no bird. <laughs> there is no politics. Anyway, Labour MP Dawn Butler diagnosed with breast cancer. My it's another illness close to my heart, especially breast cancer also. Le Labour MP Dawn Butler has told BBC she has undergone surgery at being diagnosed with breast cancer at a routine checkup. The MP for Brent Central 52 was given the news in December and recently had a mastectomy at the Royal London Hospital. She said she had no signs or symptoms and the cancer was only picked up because of routine breast screening. A manogram saved her life, she told BBC. Without a manogram, my cancer wouldn't have been discovered. After the follow-up, a biopsy, the politician was asked to see a surgeon the next day. It was that moment that she knew she had cancer, she said. It was so overwhelming, she said. The first thing I thought was, I'm dying. I thought, I've probably got 24 hours to live. That was my first reaction. Some bad news due to COVID. She was alone in the hospital room. With the diagnosis was confirmed by the surgeon. The MP said she immediately worried she would require chemotherapy and feared I'm going to lose all my hair. However, she was told cancer was contained in one area and they should be able to just remove it. The surgeon told her she would require an operation to cut it out. The Labour politician returned to her family to tell them she had some bad news, adding, but I'm not dying. Miss Butler, whose mum and uh, sister both survived breast cancer, initially shared the diagnosis with only her partner and sister-in-law. She said the notion of sharing her diagnosis more widely led her to having a panic attack. I thought, I'm going to need to go public, and I just had a panic attack. This was probably about midnight, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, and I just started feeling myself overheating. What is a manogram? Breast screening uses a breast x-ray called a manogram, 
it looks for cancer that they may be too small to see or feel. In the UK, women aged 50 to 50, uh, 71 are blessed with a GP on Vitafone Manogram every three years as part of the National Breast Screening Program. The sooner breast cancer is diagnosed, the greater the chance of survival. According to the charity Breast Cancer, now more than 80% of breast cancers occur in women over 50 and risk continues to increase with age. The NHS says anyone with a symptom of breast cancer should see a GP, even if you have recently had a clear breast scan. So any of you females listening, or you males worrying about your females, your wives, your girlfriends, tell them to go for a regular screening test. They saved my life. A leading charity estimated almost one million women in the UK missed vital breast screening during the coronavirus lockdown when programs were paused. At the time, breast cancer now estimated around 8,600 women who had missed they who had missed the scans were likely to have uneducated breast cancer. Miss Butler has now urged all women to go for manogram as soon as they are asked to. They but be all women who die if their breast cancer is not discovered and neededly so, she said, she added. The MP said she was incredibly grateful to the NHS medics who treated her. I'm not going to forget what they have done for me, she added. I'm not going to forget the effort that they have put in and how they have always been how they don't always feel valued. They saved my life. I know it's what they do, but they're really s sort of superheroes. She said the operation was a complete success and that she will make a full recovery. Labour leader Sir Kestama said he and the party were supporting Miss Butler. Dawn, your bravery, strength and determination shine through, he said. I'm sorry you're going through this, but I know that. I and the whole party are behind you. Miss Butler is now taking time off work to recover for surgery, but said she has planned to throw herself into more campaigning. Asked what message she wants to get across, she added, please go for your manogram. Just book it and go. It's important for uh, you ladies, your, bo your boyfriend, your husbands, even your sons to urge your mothers, your brothers, your sisters to go for a regular screening test. Cancer is out there. I mean, breast cancer is especially close to my heart. I'm just going to have a quick break while I share some news. We've got two more segments to go through, which is uh, criminology and inside Essex. Stay tuned. Good, good morning, people. I'm just doing my radio. I've got about another 10 minutes, not long. Well, 15. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And then it hits us. If we use GoDaddy, we can connect our site to our social pages. So now my dime is starting to go a little viral. And now everyone's like, hashtag my dime, hashtag amazing. Can I get some plantain and kalulu? All the help and tools you need to grow online. Save energy now. Save money now. Control your central heating from your smartphone. In fact, we guarantee to save you energy or your money back. See website for details. And Tardo's smart thermostats work with almost all heating systems. Your home, your comfort zone. Save energy or your money back with Tardo smart thermostats. Conditions apply. Visit Tardo.com. T-A-D-O. German Engine. Mesdames et Messieurs, welcome aboard this Air France radio message. Just a few days left to book your flight to Paris from £84. 
or St. Martin from £471 from London Heathrow via Paris. Return including tax. And with Air France Protect, your tickets are 100% changeable up until your departure. Book by the 29th of March. For more information and terms and conditions, visit airfrance.co.uk. Are you claiming tax credits? If so, this message is for you. Tax credits are ending, and the Department for Work and Pensions will be moving people across to universal credit by 2024. Many people who switch from tax credits to universal credit could get a boost to their income. Why not check an independent benefits calculator to see if you could be better off on universal credit? Search Understanding Universal Credit to find out more. People on tax credits will be moved to universal credit by the end of 2024. If you choose to apply sooner, it's important to get independent advice before you do, as you won't be able to go back to tax credits. Eligibility criteria apply. Nick Ferrari at breakfast on LBC. With Motorway, sell your car quickly, easily and conveniently from home for free. Here we go. Let's just feature some of the many emails coming in on this. Jules says she was insulted at the Oscars in front of millions of people. Will Smith was right to shut him up. Remember, I'm asking really whether it's right that he retains uh, his Oscar. Try and focus on those if you would, and I will do that with Louise. Under no circumstances should Will Smith lose his Oscar. He's apologised. He clearly reacted out of respect for his wife. Uh, Tony and Rygate picks up the point that we looked at in the first hour. You might not know this, but the peacemaker, when the TV cameras cut to commercials, obviously with the foul language bouncing around, the director had no option and quite rightly cut to an appetising break. Tony Rygate says, my former father-in-law had a long career, or has, I'm sorry, has a long career in the film industry. Always said Denzel Washington was the nicest star he ever worked with. So it's not surprising to me that he tried to make the piece. Meanwhile, Richard in Knightsbridge says, why on earth did the Academy employ the vulgar and talentless Chris Rock to host the Oscars in the first place? Don't know if everyone will agree with you. It's like Ricky Gervais or any of these people. Their comedy does not appeal to everyone. Of course it doesn't. But you probably want an edgy... I would have thought, uh, way, and that's what you got. Nick in Kensington. Nick, what do you tell me? Good morning. Hello, good morning. Hello. Uh, um, yeah, first of all... left to book your flight to Paris from £84 or St. Martin from £471 from London Heathrow via Paris. Return including tax. A day of light relief. But what happens to him now? Alice and Betsy Heath. Come on, Alice. What would you do? Good morning. Hi, Nick. Good morning. Good morning. I actually think that the Academy should ban tasteless banter from, from presenters' scripts. Um, just to get laughs on the night, oh, even if they are boring, comedians. But it well, would... the thing is, is the you know, I mean, if, if you look at the way Ricky, I'm sorry to talk over you, but if you look at the way Ricky Gervais has done some award shows, that's the only reason to watch, isn't it? Yeah, but Nick, everyone knows that Jada has this, um, you know, has a health condition, yep. and I just I'm don't sure. think it was fair that Chris Rock, I mean, has he been living under a rock? Did he not know that about this this condition? I don't think so. I think I think he should actually look at what he's done. I think he needs to apologise as well. 
And what and about think, uh, the no. point we're debating is what happens to Will Smith and the Oscar he's cherished for so long in his career. What happens now? He should carry on tr uh, holding it, and he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Um, they shouldn't take it away from him because a reaction causes a reaction. That's my personal view. Thank you for that. Alice, Aisha, coming to you in a moment. Sorry, Aisha, my apologies, Aisha. You're listening to LBC 13 after nine. More news breaking at the time. This comes from the Metropolitan Police and the, they say the investigation into allegations of breaches of COVID-19 in Whitehall, these otherwise known to you and I, you and me as Partygate, has moved on. And I quote, we will today initially begin to refer 20 fixed penalty notices to be issued for breaches of COVID regulations the Criminal Records Office will then be responsible for issuing the fixed penalty notices to the individual following referrals from the Met. They go on, we are making every effort to progress this investigation at speed and have completed a number of assessments. I'm just reading ahead so I don't have to bore you too much. Okay, so further referrals may be made. So 20 now and possibly more to come. I'm sure there'll be updates on that in our news bulletin. Uh, thank you for holding. Aisha in Enfield. What happens now with Mr Smith? Good morning. Hi, Al. Well, I, I, I'm quite disheartened by the whole conversation that I've been hearing all most oh. of the morning, Nick, because I just think, had it have been a female comedian on stage saying the same thing about Will's but, wife, Jada, and Will stood up and slapped her, would it have been the same response? But, it, but don't we just have to deal with what, as I always say, if my granny had wheels, she'd be a bus. Where, where, do, the yeah. ifs, where do the ifs end then, Aisha? Well, Aisha, I'm sorry, I, I, Aisha, Aisha, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Um, well... I think he should be straight because he's. Oh, you he do. I do. He he represents he represents people out there that people look out for, of um, you know community people, people that are bringing people together. They are representing their own communities and the wider community. So what we are in essence saying is, you get upset, it's okay to get up and say to slap someone, regardless of gender or anything. And there might there may be historical things there, and there might be a lot of built up anger there for whatever reason. But is that really the way that we deal with those situations? And what he could have done is stood up there and thanked Chris. Thank you, ladies and gents. Going to the last segment of the show now. Thank you for um, staying tuned. The moment a car was driven at speed into a group of people in Basden, the car was aimed directly at two women, one of whom was struck at speed at Basden Festival Leisure Park. Essex Police has released video footage from a dangerous driving incident at Basden Festival Leisure Park, Shackwell Matherin, 25, who was sentenced on Monday, 28th, for five years, had been on a night out at Unit 7 in early hours of October the 3rd last year. After leaving the venue, he was part of a group which became involved in an argument with another group. The argument then got physical. And the Malfrian is seen to run away from the scene shortly after CCTV footage shows a blue Peugeot 2008 coming into view and being driven at speed. The car is then driven at a group of people, one of whom is flipped upside down. The car is then driven around a car park before returning to face a group, which has now dispersed. 
The car is then aimed directly at two men, one of them whom is struck at speed. The victim, a man aged in his 20s, sustained a serious leg injury. Detective Sergeant Gavin Tucker, Bazin, CID, who led the investigation, said, Marfan clearly targeted his victim and was intent of using this car as a weapon after a disagreement broke out between his group and another group. Thankfully, the victim is recovering with, from his injuries. But the incident could have been so much worse for the victim, and indeed for Marfan. After inflicting serious injuries on his victim, he thought he could hide but he didn't get very far, having been found hiding in a bush. He must realise the severity of these actions and he will spend a substantial amount of time behind bars. Five years is not enough, is it really? Not Hypothetically speaking, five years for nearly taking someone's life is not really... That's not, that's not justice. That's injustice for humanity. Shocking. I thought we strengthening up on, you know, the police protocol of convictions, the court orders. It's uh, not good enough. Absolutely not good enough. Absolutely ludicrous. They got a metropolitan lunatic asylum for these nutters. Why don't they put some of these judges or these people that make these decisions in inside? Because it's horrific. Anyway, weather in Essex. Snow forecasters temperatures set to plummet after weekend mini heat wave. Snow showers have been forecasted across the country. Essex residents were treated to a mini heat wave over the weekend, with temperatures soaring to 19 Celsius across parts of the country. Many of us took to Essex coastlines to enjoy heat after months of chilly weather, as well as three huge storms. The beaches across the country were packed, with many people enjoying the unusually warm temperatures for this time of year. But it appears that the mini heat wave has already ended and temperatures set to fall dramatically. Fog, cloud, rain and temperatures are set to engulf Essex this week, with the country set to experience lows of 1 Celsius across part of the country. Weather experts have even predicted that snow and howl is set to fall thanks to the drop of temperatures tomorrow, the 30th of March. According to the meteorologist at the Met Office, a cold snap is, is to set to batter the county. Bringing chilly temperatures the possibility of snow from today, Tuesday to March 29th, the weather is set to take a turn for the worst, with temperature to set at a chilly 1 Celsius. Outbreaks of rain forecasted during the evening, but it's potentially turned to snow later, and Met Office says part of the county could experience sh to show showers in the latter part of this evening, with snow continuing to fall into tomorrow. On Wednesday the 30th of March and Thursday the 31st of March, much of the county is set to experience spells of snow and howl, with wintry showers forecasted by the weather experts at the Met Office. It's expected that snow is set mostly fall throughout to the early morning of Thursday. My absolute goodness. Whoa, ladies and gents, that's all for Proclamation News and Governments. Everyone come through supporting Proclamation News Gab. Appreciate it. If you'd like to share our show, appreciate it also. Thank you. Take care. God bless. We're on YouTube, CastBox, Spotify. If you type into Google Proclamation News and Governments, you'll see us everywhere. Here, there, and everywhere. We've been going for several, several years now.